This podcast was produced by Big Night Media, a proud partner of Big Night Entertainment. Hey, you know what? It's really fun to be here. Y'all know that theme music. Pierce. Buries it. Tatum drives down and throws it down. This is my season. Can I be? What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? How we doing, how we doing? And welcome to episode 202, episode 202 of the Banner Pantry Podcast. I'm your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. How's everyone doing? Hope you had a great holiday weekend. You can find me on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. And as you know, part of the Big Night Media team is some great podcasts like Music You're Missing, No Limits with Kevin Cooney, A Chance to Strive, The Wicked Fast Podcast, Be Fit, Dirty Flirty and Surviving, Drinks After Work, I'm the Promoter, He's the DJ, and Eat the Damn Cake plus so many other great podcasts and if you're into sports cards you can always check out card vault breaks every single day of the week at any time that your heart desires on whatnot facebook instagram youtube you name it and you can go check them out in person at patriot place or at foxwoods resort casino and speaking of foxwoods resort casino go check out the card vault card show january 28th and 29th down at foxwoods resort casino tickets are ten dollars in advance and $15 day of show. You can get your tickets at Ticketmaster.com. And you can always follow Big Night Media at Big Night Media on Instagram. Don't forget to check out Timmy Ticket Tuesday every single Tuesday for your chance to win free tickets to Big Night Live. And just a quick reminder, I know the Jack Savvy sponsorship is over. It was only a short run. But this Thursday, January 19th, we are going to have a little pregame, little during the game, Jack's Abbey watch party, Banner City. There's going to be a lot of it prizes, swag, you name it, they're going to be there. It's a free event. Come on down if you're going to the Celtics game, check it out. Or if you're not going to the Celtics game because the tickets are so goddamn expensive, hang out. Have some Banner City with the great people at Big Night Live and, more importantly, Jack's Abbey. Okay, great. Uh, I literally just got off my flight from Charlotte about an hour ago, and here I am recording this. So, I'm exhausted. I was up at 3.30 in the morning, ready to go, but we're back in the studio, back in the library, ready to go. So if I sound weird, if I don't speak proper English like I usually do, this time I actually have an excuse. So the Celtics, uh, let's see, they're seven in a row, 10 out of 12, 33 and 12 in the season. I mean, they played what, like five games since I last recorded the podcast, episode 201. They're currently four and a half games up on the Nets, four and a half games up on the Bucks in the Eastern Conference. The 76ers has slowly slid into the fourth seed. The Cavs are five games out in the fifth spot, which is interesting because they were playing so well as of late. Donovan Mitchell dropped those 71 points, but he went out uh, in the game the other night against the Pelicans with, I think it was a quad injury. Don't quote me on that. But listen, there's 37 games left in the regular season. We are past the halfway point for the Boston Celtics. And according to tankathon.com, if you want Wemby watch, uh, tankathon 
Celticsnow.com is the way to go. The Celtics have the 19th hardest schedule remaining, or in other words, like the 11th or 12th easiest schedule remaining. And the only playoff team in the Eastern Conference above them or has an easier schedule than them is the Cleveland Cavaliers. So as of right now, when I was doing my notes for this, uh, the number, like the hardest schedule the rest of the way was the Philadelphia 76ers. So we'll see how that goes. And speaking how speaking of how things go, injury-wise, Jalen Brown. Uh, Jalen Brown, obviously, dealing with a... Uh, I'm having a brain fart. I feel like it begins with an A. But anyways, he's dealing with an injury after he dropped 40 points versus the Pelicans. And he'll be out for one or two weeks. If it's just one week, he should, keyword being should, be back for this Golden State Warriors game on Thursday. Um at TD Garden. So that'll be very interesting. Uh, his game against the Pelicans was, I think, one of the best of his careers. I mean, 50% from three, 71% uh, from the floor, 12 rebounds, and the most impressive part of it all, zero assist. He didn't give a damn about anyone else out there. And I kind of respect it because it's not weird if it works. Jalen, mid-range game, money, three-pointer, money. CJ McCollum came out firing, hitting like three or four threes in that first quarter. And Jalen Brown was like, no, you're not going to beat us on our home court. But luckily for the Celtics, they also played the Nets without Kevin Durant. Um, He's been hurt and the worst team in the East. So you hope to see Jalen back soon very healthy. Um, because that, that's very important. So, you know, the fact that the Celtics had to deal with Jay or had to play without Jalen Brown playing the Nets and one of the worst teams in the NBA, um, was obviously very important. And then I've really tried not to like mention this a, a lot, but Gallinari, I don't know if you people follow him on social media. Obviously I do cause I'm a psychopath, but he keeps showing these videos about how his progression and his rehab's going. And I don't want to get excited because who knows when he's coming back. But I'm slowly getting excited about it. I mean, I don't think it again, I don't think it's gonna be anytime soon, but I think he could be back by St. Patrick's Day. No, like for real. I really think he can be back for St. Patrick's Day. Um, but no, I, I have no idea. And if he is, I'm so here for that. Cause that gives him like four or five weeks to really get his body into shape for the playoffs. Who knows? It could be April again. All I'm saying is I am very appreciative of these little videos that he's posting of him running down the court, back and forth, hitting corner threes, you name it. Now I know a lot of people, you know, like myself, at times, would like another backup big. Luke Cornett, I thought, was great this weekend against the Hornets. I thought he played pretty well against the the Nets as well. Obviously, he's not everything that you need and hope for. Um, but Jack Simone from Celtics Blog just recently wrote a pretty good article. You can go check it out, CelticsBlog.com, um, about Luke Cornett. And basically, you know, he's not perfect. But what he's doing in the role that he's asked to be doing is pretty perfect. So... I understand why people are anxious for Gallinari to come back because you can't trust Rob forever with his health, especially being put back in the starting lineup while Jalen was out. But, I mean, Rob is playing about 27, 28 minutes a game. I mean, his game last week against the Spurs, uh, last Saturday, not this past Saturday, the one before that was huge with the energy that he brought. His rebounding was very important three days ago against the Hornets. And even though he might have gotten outplayed by uh, Nicholas Claxton in Brooklyn, he was still an important piece of the game. I still think Rob's timing is off on some rebounds and some blocks, but I think he will eventually get there. This isn't going to happen overnight. He's only been back for two or three weeks. Um, so, obviously, Gallinari getting back as soon as possible, giving Rob and Al and some others some rest, 
would be huge. But at the same time, Brad Stevens wants to go get another reliable, trustworthy, accepting of his role, big, kind of like what Blake Griffin has done. I don't think a lot of people are going to be upset about that. And speaking of Al Horford, I mean, I know he was my dud last week, but clearly he must have listened and motivated him. I mean, those beautiful eyes shut me up real quick. He shot 58 from... 58% from three this past week. Still didn't take a free throw. Whatever. Six assists on Saturday. Seven boards. Really controlling Plumley, which was needed, especially late in that game. He did a great job on Valanciunas on Wednesday night. Obviously, he didn't play the second night of a back-to-back against the Nets. But Al, Al still looks really healthy. And Luke Cornett ain't changing a lot. But if Missoula can get Al under 30 minutes a night to help this team in the future... So Al can play those maybe 35, 36 minutes in the playoffs. It's it's going to be pretty impressive. But this week, just real quick, I I want to talk about the good over the seven-game win streak because I think it is important because I, I think a lot of people, when they had that little skid mark during the month of December, I feel like a lot of people really freaked out and... We, we need to realize and remember what this team does well, and when they do do it well, they're really fucking good. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I remember talking, well, you remember, and obviously I remember because I'm the one that's doing the fucking podcast, but I talked about how the Celtics, when they move the ball and don't turn the ball over, they're pretty unstoppable. And during this run of seven games, over the last seven games, 28 assists, 10 and a, like 10.7, 10.5 turnovers per game. In four out of the last seven games, they have single-digit turnovers. So they're taking care of the ball. They're being smart with the basketball. They're not forcing things. The ball movement all week long was zipping, zipping around. I mean, you look at the big three-pointer that Al Horford hit in the corner against the Bulls. Great ball movement. Great job by Tatum making the extra pass. Same thing late against the Brooklyn Nets on Thursday. Extra pass. Derek White, wide open in the corner. So if the Celtics can keep making the extra pass and keep playing unselfish and not forcing things, I'm telling you, they're really, really hard to beat. And I know I keep beating it, like beating that down into a drum, and you're probably like, oh, he's talking about this again. Yes, because it's so fucking important. When this team is confident with who they are on the offensive end, the defensive end will help. Sure, they're not the greatest team defensively, especially compared to last year. And I get that and I respect that. But their offense is light years better than it was last year, at least I think. But if you remember last week, my stud of the week was Malcolm Brogdon because I believe his confidence came back. And let me tell you this, in his last four games, he is 12 of 22 from three. And for those of you that don't know how math works, that's over 50%. And Saturday's game versus the Hornets, he was the most important player on the team. I always say that Jalen Brown is the most important player on the team. Jason Tatum is the best player. Jalen Brown is the most important player. And Jalen Brown wasn't playing. So Malcolm Brogdon came in, dropped 30 points, shot 64% from the the field, 66% from three, had three assists and zero turnovers, and was the number one scoring option when Tatum was off the floor. Since basically Tatum played all of the third, half of the second, all of the first, um, and then halfway through the fourth. Him, him being Michael uh, Michael Jordan, <laughs> uh, Malcolm Brogdon, and Peyton Pritchard. Malcolm Brogdon and Peyton Pritchard against the Nets and against the Hornets on Thursday and Saturday were huge, huge, especially 
against Brooklyn. Their run that they had at the end of the third quarter, start of the fourth quarter, was the reason why the Celtics won that game. So if Malcolm Brogdon can continue to have this confidence and the teammates can continue to trust him and Joe Mazzulla continues to make things happen and put Malcolm Brogdon in good situations, <laughs> to have him come off the bench is crazy. And I know a lot of people were concerned about the start of the 2023 season as well. But after that Thunder loss, when they got absolutely embarrassed, what was that, like 150 to 117? The team is averaging 120 points per game. Top 10 in field goal percentage. Top 5 in rebounding. Top 2 in assists. Top 2 in least amount of turnovers. Top 4 in blocks. And the average win, or their average win, is 13 points. Their offensive rating is 2nd in the league. Their defensive rating is 4th. I'm telling you, that Thunder game was a gift and a curse. The curse is, that was embarrassing. You know that they can play down to competition. But the gift was, I really think it woke up this team. And I was hoping that it would. And I know us Celtics fans, we can spiral. But holy crap, every once in a while, when a shitty loss like that happens from time to time, and this is what I've been trying to work on with my therapist, a loss to the Thunder is alarming. But all you can do is hope that they've learned from it. And guess what? I think they have. And I'm really happy about it. I'm here for it. So keep the turnovers down. Malcolm Brogdon keeps his confidence. Jalen Brown returns. And you go on a little run here before the All-Star break. I'm telling you, you can rest guys later on in the season. And that could be night and day. Like, Can you imagine if there was three games left? And the Celtics literally clinched the Eastern Conference. You're going to sit Jalen. You're going to sit Jason. You're going to sit Al. You're going to sit Rob. I don't think you can sit Marcus because he's an animal. But if you can sit those guys and give them four or five days off and let them get back into a rhythm, (laughs) hold on to your butts. But anyways, let's do Stud and Dud of the Week. Hit the music. And now it is time. For the Celtics stud and the Celtics dud of the week. Okay, your stud and dud of the week for episode 202. And because we love the number two, and I saw two games down in Charlotte, I actually have two studs and two duds for you this week. So let's start off with the first stud. The first stud is Jason Tatum inside the three-point line. Jason Tatum, before the Hornets game on Monday, he shot 56% from inside the three-point line, which is the highest percentage of his career. That's what he's done so far this season. 56%. Anything inside the three-point line. If he takes 100 shots, he's making 56 of them. He has a 54% efficiency field goal percentage, which is also the highest in his career. He is averaging the most free throws in his career per game and is also averaging his second highest free throw percentage in his career. During this seven-game win streak, let me tell you what Jason Tatum is doing without shooting three-pointers. Six of 14. Eight of 16. 6 of 10, 7 of 14, 5 of 12, 8 of 13. Doesn't that sound fucking awesome? He is getting smarter in reading defenses better and better than ever. An example being when he dropped 51 yesterday and I was there, he wanted to do a step back three so bad. 
on Jade, on Jaden McDaniels, who's a great defender and a great young talent. I loved watching him this weekend. But Jaden McDaniels wasn't allowing it. So Tatum tossed the ball over to Marcus and kind of moved to the top of the key. He put his back to the basket, caught the ball, one dribble, one step, threw it down. I get it's the Hornets, but that is the smart play and the right play. And it's a play that he isn't forcing, which is super important. So Jason Tatum, inside the three-point line, is your stud of the week. The dud of the week is Jason Tatum outside the three-point line. And I know you're probably like, oh my God, he just dropped 51 points. What the fuck are you talking about? And, and listen, I get it. I get it. He was, what, 7-12 from three? Cute, adorable and all. But this season is his lowest three-point shooting percentage of his career. Since the start of the new year, before he dropped 51 points, he was 22 out of 72 from three. He's averaging two made free, uh, two made three-pointers after attempting nine per game. I want him to take less threes. And like I said, I get it. Yesterday he was 7 of 12, and it was delightful to watch, and I love it for him. But since that Miami loss on December 2nd, he is averaging 32% from three. 11 out of those 21 games since that Miami Heat loss at the Garden, he has averaged less than 30% from three. So he had some really, and let me say that again, really bad misses against the Nets on Thursday. And he can't afford to have those bad misses if Jalen Brown is not on the floor. And I understand that Jason Tatum, I think this year without Jalen, has scored like 35 points or more three out of the five times he's played without him, which is great. But if you can stop taking threes as much, I'm not saying stop. He's still a good three-point shooter. It's just this season really hasn't been his cup of tea. And, you know, men lie, women lie, numbers don't. That's one of my favorite sayings. He's shooting 56% from inside the three-point line, which is the highest of his career. And outside the three-point line, behind it, he's shooting the lowest of his career. And the, the positive about that about that 56%, that means he's attacking, he's being more aggressive, and he's growing up. He knows what it takes to win now. He knows what it takes to be the great scorer that he is. So if he can have the same type of mid-range game and the same type of decisions that Jalen Brown has when it comes to attacking the rim and shooting a mid-range, and then every once in a while sprinkle in a three, that'd be great. I don't need to see Jason Tatum go 2-11 and 11 from three. I don't. I get, I would love to see him do 7 of 12 every single night, but guess what? Steph Curry doesn't even do that. So your stud of the week is Jason Tatum inside the three-point line. Your dud of the week is Jason Tatum outside the three-point line. And your additional stud and dud of the week. I was obviously in Charlotte this weekend. Great time. Nice little birthday present. And the stud is the arena, the Spectrum Center. What a nice little arena, a little opening behind one of the hoops, wide open. They throw, they give you kind of that throwback field, like with Alonzo Mourning and Del Curry and Muggsy Bogues and Larry Johnson, Grandma Ma stuff. Gives you a really cool vibe. And if you have loge seats, like my Uncle Kevin, he's in loge three at TD Garden, there is literally like your private concession stand for literally what would be section 22. Or 21, what's the last thing in the garden? I think it's 22. Maybe it's 21, but let's just say 21, 22, 1, 2, and 3 have their own private concession stands. And then everything else 
you know, from section four inside of TD Garden till about section 10 would have to be deal with the general public. And then 11 to 15 would have their own little private lounge. It was really cool. I really enjoyed it. So shout out to them. It It is basically focused on the Hornets. Now, I understand the Celtics don't own the arena. It's owned by the Bruins, blah, 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 blah. But it was really, really cool to kind of see uh, just an all focus on a basketball team type of arena. And the dud is the Hornets PA announcer. Oh, my God. Like, the guy who does it for the Celtics, I'm having a brain fart in his name. Is it Eddie? I think that's what his name is. Anyways, he just, it's simple to the point, you know, like Jason Tatum, 4-3, you know, 6-11 from Farragut Academy. You know, like, it was great. But the Hornets announcer, he would be like, Lonzo, 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 4-3, 3-3, 3-3, 3-3. would be like, shut up. Oh, my God, shut up. And he would be like, Jason Tatum at the free throw line shooting two. Why? Why are you doing that? It was so annoying. I didn't like it at all. But anyways, your stud of the week, or your additional stud of the week, the arena, your additional dud of the week is the announcer inside that arena. So this week, Celtics have two games. And we'll talk about these two games super quick, and I'll let you move on with your with your Tuesday or your Wednesday, whenever you're listening. They got two home games this week. One at home, and then their first of three games on the road for a quick little road trip. The first, Thursday night, 7.30 p.m., at TD Garden on TNT against the Golden State Warriors. And then Saturday, 5 p.m., followed by a back-to-back versus the Magic and the Heat on the 23rd and the 24th. So Raptors on Saturday, Warriors on Thursday. Let's talk about the Warriors. TNT at the Garden, going to be a vibe. Last time the Warriors were in the arena, they broke my heart. (sighs) Just thinking about it makes me upset. Deep breaths, four in, eight out. Okay. The Warriors are not a very good road team. They're not. They're five and 17, but they are very good at home, 17 and five. And the Warriors smoked the Celtics at home, 123 to 107 in December. And that's kind of where the the skid kind of started. Clay Thompson dropped 34. Al didn't play. Rob didn't play, which should be a huge help because I think one of the most annoying parts of that December game was the fact that Kevin Looney and Dante V. DiVincenzo combined for 23 rebounds, and I believe the Warriors had like 52 or 53 rebounds. So the way I look at it, with Kevin Looney's 15 rebounds and DiVincenzo's 8, that's like half of their team rebounds were between those two, and that's really annoying. Jordan Poole went 1 of 9 from 3, but still ended up with like 20-some-odd points. And just watch. I See, I don't like Jordan Poole. We all know this. Not as much as Kyle Lowry, but I dislike Jordan Poole. And watch. Tatum just dropped 51, and he's going to go like 3 of 20 from the floor. And we're all going to be so pissed at him. Everyone's going to talk about, oh, you can't play against the Warriors. And then Jordan Poole is going to go like 6 of 11 from 3 and drop 30 points. It's going to drive me crazy. It, I, I, I can just see it now. Thinking about it, I'm about to have an aneurysm. But this is the Warriors' fourth game of their six-game road trip. They've beaten the Spurs by 31. They lost to the Bulls by 14. And they beat the Wizards last night, if you're listening on Tuesday, by 9. Steph Curry dropped 41. So clearly he's back and very healthy from his injury that he was out a few weeks for. And listen, I can throw all the stats, all the opinions, all the bullshit at you when it comes to to one thing 
and in one thing only when it comes to Celtics Lakers. The Warriors own the Celtics mentally. The best team in the NBA went into the Chase Center in December with all the motivation in the world and got absolutely smoked. They won the NBA Finals in your house. First time back, national televised game. Tatum just dropped 51 in the other day on MLK Day. Historic performance. Past Larry Bird for most 50 points games in Celtics history. Will Jalen be back? But none of that matters because the Celtics have to be mentally prepared to beat the Golden State Warriors. Basketball-wise, we all know that we can do it. I bash your head in every single week with stats and analytics and all this shit. But at the end of the day, when it comes to Celtics Warriors, if the Celtics are not mentally prepared and can't mentally challenge themselves, they're going to lose to the Warriors every single fucking time. Simple as that. So... I can be like, oh, well, you know, Rob, when he's on the floor, he's like, a, his net rating's like a plus 12. And Al Horford, you know, has made 12 out of his last 23s. I could talk about all of that. But the Celtics, when it comes to the Warriors, are mental. Like, they, they just, they overthink. They think, like, it's just so annoying. So, whatever the Celtics do, just be mentally prepared. And that's on Joe Missoula. That's on Jason Tatum. That's on Al Horford. That's on Marcus Smart. That's on Jalen Brown. Even if Jalen Brown's not playing, I want him in that arena. He's got to help those guys. He's a he's a leader of this team, and he should be there. So yeah, that's all I got to say about that. And then the Raptors game on Saturday afternoon in Toronto at 5 p.m. Celtics beat the Raptors earlier this season up in Toronto by six, thanks to an insane 35 to 18 uh, third quarter after playing a shit um, second quarter. But in that game, no Rob, no Al, no Malcolm, and Blake Griffin played 32 minutes. So instantly right then and there, you're motivated a little bit, and you're feeling good about it. The Raptors are four games below 500, currently out of the play-in slash playoff situation. And they they are a weird team right now because starting on December 27th, they lost five out of six. But since January 8th, they've won four out of five, including beating the Hornets twice, just like the Celtics did, the Trailblazers, and they just beat a very good New York Knicks team in overtime. They got two road games this week, and then they got to travel to Boston. They got to travel to Milwaukee and uh, Minnesota. Minnesota. Um, top 15 in offensive rating, 11th in defensive rating since the start of the new year. And the last time we played them, one of the things that I talked about, because I'm, I'm looking back at my notes, was the fact that they were a bottom four or five team when it comes to three-point shooting in the league. And since then, they're top seven. So something changed, whether it was Nick Nurse complained to the refs or complained to the basketball gods, something happened and they've gotten better for sure. So the Celtics have to be aware of that. But the thing that the Celtics need to really keep out, keep an eye out for is offensive rebounding. The Hornets over the weekend definitely got a lot of second chance points, which was annoying, but the Raptors are a top five team in the league when it comes to offensive rebounding. But the crazy part is, they're second to last in the league in defensive rebounds. So just box out when you're on defense. Like, listen, I'm no expert here. I'm not the brightest bulb on the Christmas tree. But if they suck on the defensive end of the glass, just box them out on the offensive end of the glass and then they'll suck at rebound and then you'll beat them on every single end of the floor. So hopefully Rob and Al and Jalen and Jason, if they're playing, can attack the offensive glass and beat them at their own game. Siakam, Gary Trent Jr., Scotty Barnes, Fred Van Vliet, they're all going to get theirs. 
But don't let like Chris Boucher and OG Ananobi and Precious Achua beat you on the boards, beat you with hustle, and beat you with effort. Because that will be really fucking annoying, especially if you can get over the mental hump of playing the Golden State Warriors. And that is it for episode 202 of the Banner Banter Podcast. Thank you so much for listening as always. Quick reminder, Big Night Live, Studio B, Thursday, January 19th, Celtics, Warriors, pregame, and watch party. Come by. It's a free event. Check it out. Drink plenty of Banner City beer. I'll be there for a little bit. Obviously, I'm going to the game. No offense. And yeah, come on down. It'll be a lot of fun. You can follow me on the Twitter machine at BannerBanter18 or on Facebook and Instagram at BannerBanterPodcast. And we'll talk to you guys next Monday. Sorry for the delay this week. We'll talk then. Toodles and noodles. X's and O's. Bye-bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.